and then listening to your podcast. Yeah, so what do you think? Are, you think? Are, are we good or bad? I think you're pretty good. You guys uh, may want to stop talking so much in the beginning. And, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of get people into it, you know, get your interviews in a little bit quicker. That's good feedback. It is. Good it's, very, it's very honest feedback. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. So, uh. Welcome to Gimme Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin, data and housing reporter with CalMatters. And I am Liam Dillon with the Los Angeles Times. And today, June 20th, what's in the budget, or at least what we know what's in the budget right now when it comes to housing? What do we know, Liam? Uh, somewhat of things, but yeah. not all the things. No. And some of the big things we don't really know still. Some very important things. Indeed. Still a mystery. Mm-hmm. And then how California is planning on confronting its escalating homelessness crisis. Uh, Double-digit increases really across the board in the state, and it's uh, leading to, to huge concerns, uh, Northern California, Southern California, really everywhere. And who do we have as a guest to talk about that? So we have a very good guest. Uh, this is uh, Mike Neely. He's a former commissioner for the L.A. Uh, Homeless Services Authority who will take us through what's been happening in uh, Los Angeles uh, uh, and how what's uh, going on now compares to homelessness in the past. Um, Just a quick note to listeners. We do realize that a lot of our recent podcasts have been devoted to inside political baseball when it comes to housing politics in the Capitol. I think once the budget is concluded, we will be kind of broadening out the podcast to examine issues that are a little that get us away from, you know, what assembly member uh, hates, what other assembly member tried to do at a Applebee's three years ago. And that's why we don't have effective housing policy. That's good. It's yeah. mostly Applebee's-related feuds <laughs> here in Sacramento. Exactly. Now for the most beloved segment. You like that? That's good. In all of California housing podcastery, it is... The Avocado of the Fortnite. Our look at the most absurd California housing story of the last two weeks. Um, and this avocado raises the question of church, state, and parking. That's good. A mm-hmm. nice setup. I got another one I'm saving for later. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so back to San Diego, a mm-hmm. place I miss uh, r- really good burritos uh, on really good waves, among other things. Controversial take. San Diego has good burritos, right. Liam. So, so we're going to Claremont, which is uh, kind of a middle-class neighborhood a little bit from the coast, uh, but still coastal-ish in San Diego, where we have a church. And the congregation of the church, this is Claremont Lutheran Church, had an idea. Uh, you know, we're moving up our, changing our fellowship hall, and uh, we would also like, you know, middle of a housing crisis, right? Everyone keeps saying that. Uh, why don't we put some housing on our church lands as well? And Makes sense. Makes sense. But they ran into the buzzsaw that is city of San Diego bureaucracy, mm. especially parking requirements. Yes. Um what pray tell you like oh, that? Oh yeah. Pray tell what parking requirements um, have so far kind of dashed their hopes for this. Yeah. So they wanted what they wanted to do is roughly sixteen to twenty apartments on top of its parking lot, which is you know empty except Sunday. You know that's the day right for the church. And uh, <laughs> but there's a, a rule in city code that this is so good. So the code says. The parking requirement for the church is based on how many parking space the church needs is based on these square inches of pew space. That's in the code. That's in the code. In the city code. So they, they're measuring tape, 
measuring the pews. And ah, uh, 13 and a half feet. That is, and I'm making this up, but I was going to say two cars. Mm-hmm. You need to park there. So these parishioners, this gets even better. These parishioners went out and counted all the vac- like like a, I can just imagine, you know, just standing there on a Sunday um, with a notepad, like, yep, another car, you know, like individual parishioners counted all the vacant spots spots in their church in the surrounding neighborhood four times a day, four times a day, and the the church believes based on their their study that they actually had a surplus and didn't need to worry about these parking requirements. But the city said, nah, got to study it some more. We know pews. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Anything else on this? This was a good avocado. Yeah, it's a nice one. Let's move on now to the budget and what spending and policy changes for California housing are and are not in it. What do we know about the budget as of this date? Yeah, so we're on June 20th, as we mentioned at the top of the show, and the state constitution says you have to pass a budget by June 15th, five days prior. So you'd think that we would know what's in the budget, but alas, alas, uh, we don't. And really, uh, we have some broad strokes, and, and uh, but some of the kind of biggest ticket things that we've thought about and discussed, particularly when it comes to policy that was supposed to be presented as part of this budget plan, have not, have not happened yet, and it's unclear when they will. So here's what we do know. Uh, We got over $2 billion that has been approved for both uh, low-income housing, uh, housing planning, uh, and homelessness efforts, right? Yes. Uh, Not an insignificant sum. uh, Certainly more than uh, what we saw last year, more than we've seen in recent memory. Um, And so, you know, a lot of money, at least comparatively— to uh, address some of these problems that are worsening. Yes, and some ongoing money included in that as well. So right. but let's let's go through the big buckets of spending first. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, $650 million that has been approved um, for local homeless prevention efforts. Uh, that money has yet to be divided. That's one of the things that is sort of still outstanding. But we do know the money is going to go to big cities in the state, Uh potentially to counties, unclear at this moment, uh, and also to these regional continuums of care, which are sort of these regional bodies that, that are all over the state that address uh, homelessness uh, efforts from multiple angles. And just to put some context around that, $650 million is a lot. Most of that will go to uh, emergency shelters, construction, and I guess maintenance and operation. But there is yeah. flexibility for localities to use it for uh, other purposes that are related to homelessness. Yes. Um, last year, a big deal was made out of um, big city mayors asking Governor Brown for emergency one-time homelessness funding, and mm-hmm. they got about $500 million out of that. So this would be an increase over that amount. Indeed. Uh, and also don't forget, when it comes to homelessness spending, uh, there is money that's expected to come out this year from the bond that voters passed, Proposition 2. Uh, that was $2 billion um, in uh, uh, last November. So that's for permanent supportive housing up and down the state for homelessness efforts. Additionally, Prop 1, folks may remember, that's four, a $4 billion bond for low-income housing efforts. That money is also expected to come out this year. Yeah, not the entire $4 billion is right, 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 to, right, right. to yes, homelessness. The, the, yeah. Going to be um, par- beginning to be parceled out uh, over, you know, with this year being the first. Yeah, exactly. And I actually kind of want to get into there. – there is kind of a, a – flood of new homelessness money that is just starting to get out the door. Yes. Um, basically starting now. 
Um, okay, what else do we got in the budget that people should know about? So uh, cities often uh, complain about a couple things uh, when it comes to uh, well, there's many things, but but a couple of things that are at near the top of the list when it comes to housing is, look, you, the state, want to make us, uh, you know, uh, permit a lot more housing. But it's, you know, some of these planning efforts are really expensive. Um, and so there was some money that was allocated in in uh, in, in sort of previous um, budget cycles. But this time we're getting two hundred fifty million dollars that are going to cities to help help with kind of planning. Additionally, uh, cities are all often concerned about, is there enough infrastructure, roads, sewers, water pipes, et cetera, to help support uh, new growth, new housing development? And that money, uh, there will be $500 million for that. Yeah, and those are grants that cities and developers can apply for. Originally, this pot of money was the big, uh, hey, cities, if you get your housing goals— Here's $500 million for whatever you want. Right. It wasn't restricted in any way. Yes, a statue of Eric Garcetti or of London Breed, or, for instance. Right? Yes, yes, yes. But this um, now, no, you got you got the, the, the Eric Garcetti uh, sewer pipe. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> There's a couple more big-ticket items that I think people should be aware of. One is um, a $500 million appropriation for the state's uh, low-income housing tax credit fund, which is the premier financing vehicle for subsidized government housing. That's something that advocates have long been lobbying for and are very excited will actually be uh, be happening. And then finally, there's another 500 million. 500 million is like the gold number here. Mm-hmm. There's a, that's a, a lot of zeros. Yeah, round, five. very yeah. round. Uh-huh. Um, for a mixed-income loan program uh, that will be funneled through the California Housing Finance Agency. So this is basically money for... Um, developers to build mixed income housing. So uh, housing where a portion of the units are reserved for low income folk, and then a portion are reserved for moderate and higher income folk. Mm -hmm. So those are the big items. I guess general takeaway from what we kind of just went over. Well, again, uh, as we said, it's a lot more money than than what has been in the past. But also, you know, I keep bringing this up uh, many times when we talk about uh, spending on on housing because I think the context is really important. The sort of the best uh, kind of um, thought experiment on this that I that I recall in recent years is one done by the legislative analysts that said, "Look, if we just want to help subsidize how build new subsidized housing for uh, those spending more than half their income on rent in state, uh, low income people doing that, uh, it would take uh, a bond measure the order of magnitude of say roughly two hundred billion or so dollars, yeah, basically the size of the entire California state budget, right." Um, and then the the annual bond payment on that would be roughly equivalent to you know fifteen to thirty billion a year, roughly equivalent to what the state spends on Medi-Cal, which is its uh, a healthcare program for for those in poverty. Um, and that's just you know we're still far, despite this increase in money, we're still very very far from those kind of numbers um, on uh, on housing. Um, I, I want to point out a, a couple other things here. One, when redevelopment, we have a podcast on that too. We uh, with Sacramento Mayor Daryl Steinberg. We mm-hmm. recommend you check that out. When that went away, um, about a billion dollars annually in affordable housing uh, funding went away with it. And advocates, low-income housing advocates, have been clamoring for that money to come back, right? Yeah. You do see now some of that money coming back in, in a couple forms, right? Mm-hmm. One would be um, SB2 from 2017, and that money is beginning to be 
spent, I believe. It's getting close, I think, to, be, yeah, to being spent. Yeah, and this is money. It's a $75 fee on mortgage refinancing other real estate documents. That's right. And that's about $250 million in ongoing expenditures, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and then that $500 million housing tax credit program I mentioned earlier, the intent for that is to be ongoing, too. Right. Now, some advocates will say that that's not really the same as the money they got through redevelopment. But it does show that there is progress being made in filling that billion-dollar hole. And not only that, too, we should should also mention that there's money coming out of the state's uh, cap-and-trade climate change program. Uh, A lot of money, like hundreds of millions of dollars kind of money, um, going towards uh, uh, predominantly low-income housing near uh, transit as an effort to reduce carbon emission. So there is agreement on the amount of money that's going to what we just outlined, like these specific programs and priorities, right? Yeah. What remains to be seen are some of the policy um, changes that would accompany this money that Newsom proposed way back in January. Let's let's start talking about that. What jumps out to you is the most unresolved dispute between Newsom and the legislature over how this money is actually going to be spent. Yeah, so you know, you go back to January, and I think we were all kind of uh, gobsmacked, if you will, uh, by the amount of policy proposals that the governor was putting forward in his first weeks in office to address housing, attacking longstanding issues. You know, uh, predominantly about kind of rebalancing or changing the balance between states, the state, and local governments on housing authority, authority, authority to approve development, things yeah. of that nature, right? And so the biggest thing that he proposed was tying money uh, that was uh, passed as part of the the gas tax that the state did and voters affirmed uh, last fall, uh, tying that in some way uh, to be determined to housing approvals or housing planning or whatever, right? Um, that was met with a thud in the legislature. No, I don't know anyone who like really full-throated embracing uh, uh, of the plan as it was put out there. And so why? Why do you think that was the case? What, uh, why was there no... Um, reception party for the yeah, I tying think it, gas tax to housing I think idea. there's the like the the obvious reason and a little less obvious reason. I think the obvious reason is like, you know, all of these legislators felt like they'd been through a war trying to ensure that this gas tax um, you know, uh increase happened. They lost a member uh, in the Senate who voted for it, who was recalled. Uh, they fought back with, uh, you know, a huge campaign to, to maintain it at the ballot box. And so it's like, Stop. Like, don't touch this. Like, we, we, we killed ourselves to get this through. We're not going to futz with the money in any way, right? And so I think that's kind of the predominant reason. Yeah. But I think, too, like, you know, there the, the, if, you know, the idea of tying some big pot of state money to housing approvals at the local level uh, has been around for like decades, mm-hmm. you know? And the reason why it hasn't happened, I mean, A, it's complicated to figure out how to do it in a way that would be fair to the cities, which, you know, again, don't control the cost of timber uh, in Canada, right? Uh, that goes into building housing, right? Um, uh, don't control interest, federal interest rates, right? Yes. Um, but uh, also because, like, it, go, it goes at the kind of, you know, time-honored uh, local control argument that, you know, is very prominent prevalent uh, when it comes to development issues that are here in the state. And this would, you know, if you if you kind of pierce that veil or pierce that in a way that's uh, really aggressive, the pushback is really, really strong, as we're already seeing with some of the proposals that have uh, been in the Capitol um, in recent years. And, and just to add to that, Newsom's original proposal has already been diluted. Um, yeah, he right? pushed it to his second term. In a couple different ways. Yeah. So one, based on what he said in his budget presentation, yeah. 
he wanted to tie the gas tax money to actual housing approvals, mm-hmm. right? So like how many units you are actually saying, okay, you can build. Right. Now what they're talking about is tying the gas tax money not so much towards that individual unit level or, or meeting your quote unquote right. housing goals, but being in conformance with housing state housing law, which is a, a more lax- Zoning and planning. Exactly, talking, right. which yeah. is has less of an onus on, on cities. And, and yeah. to the city's argument, right, takes away the, you don't, you know, the city of Santa Monica does not control the price of timber um, for a developer that wants to build in Santa Monica and won't build, and that's not our fault, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, as you mentioned, the implementation date of this has already, that proposal has been pushed back to um, his second term. Mm -hmm. Um, Potential second term. Yes, sorry, Mm -hmm. potential second term. Mm -hmm. So what I've heard is it is unlikely that we're going to see a marriage of gas tax revenue to uh, cities meeting their housing obligations in this budget, in what has yet to be worked out. And yeah. uh, Assemblymember Phil Ting, a uh, Democrat from San Francisco, um, basically said as much um, in public comments he gave after some of the uh, initial provisions in the budget were worked out. Right. Um, you know, anything can happen. It depends, I guess, how much Newsom's administration successfully pushes on this. Right. But that's what I've heard is it's unlikely that this proposal is actually going to happen. Yeah. So a victory for cities there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, uh, but I think that that's, you know, a a uh, kind of the biggest ticket thing that we've that we've seen. There are also a couple other policy stuff that was sort of talked about that it's still unclear whether uh, it's going to whether they're going to happen or not. Um, the governor had wanted to uh, sort of make it easier for uh, cities to approve uh uh, homeless housing, homeless shelters mm-hmm. through the California Environmental Quality Act process. Uh, that has not come forward yet as part of this budget. So who knows? Um, there were, you know, the governor and talking about all of these things wanted to. And, and again, his sort of very aggressive housing goals, three and a half million over seven years, new units um, that he's talked about on the campaign trail. That requires kind of changing the uh, how state housing, existing housing goal process gets gets done. Yeah, that was supposed to be developed as part of this budget that that has not come out yet either um and then uh when it comes to the 650 million uh, for homelessness money locally that we mentioned earlier uh you know they have to figure out exactly how to divide that they have not done that yet and whereas the policy stuff that i suppose can wait there's no like this is this has to happen today um i think with the money though they're really facing a a deadline here um, you know, if they don't divide up that money or figure out how they're going to do it uh, within really the next week, then they're going to delay in spending it. Uh, July 1st, right, is when, when if they do approve it, the money would otherwise come out. Uh, if that doesn't happen and they can't figure out how to divvy up money at a time when homelessness is increasing by double digits up and down the state, yeah. that's going to look really bad. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Is I, I expect them to iron this out because the, the political uh, – risk of not yeah. meeting that July 1st deadline is right. is pretty enormous. Yeah. And it's pretty I mean it's kind of weird. It's like they're fighting over the amount of money. They're no. fighting over who gets what, you know? Yeah. So you think they could figure that out in relatively shorter. Mm. Um sometimes that's a tougher fight. Yeah. When you have a 20 billion dollar surplus, that's that's sometimes a tougher fight. Yeah. Okay, so I have some uh big picture hot take questions for you on the budget. Uh-huh. So there's been a lot of money approved to fight the state's homelessness problems over the last two years. And not just at the state level, but locally, too. And locally, too. Yeah, L.A. LA has had huge measures. (laughs) We're talking at the same time, but yeah. San Francisco also. Mm -hmm. 
you are already hearing, why aren't we seeing results? Why aren't we seeing results? When is it fair to ask that question? <laughs> I, I, and you have to answer this. Yeah, I think I, I think it's fair to ask it, um, you know, relatively soon after uh, the, the money was approved because it's not like one of the things that are actually holding up the money or unforeseeable problems, mm-hmm. right? Everyone knows it's not just about getting money. It's about actually building things. And about building things, you have to get you have to get approval to do it, and you're going to have to get um, buy-in or 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 ram through uh, in individual neighborhoods. And I, I would argue and, not everyone knows that. Well, I mean, I think that was clear. Well, the, and I, when I mean it, when I say everyone, I'm thinking talking political establishment. I'm not talking your regular person. Okay, your regular person. You know, we approve the money. Why isn't this getting better? Yes. Right. I totally am on board with that. Yes. But I mean, every politician worth their salt knows. That the money's half, if you know, half the battle, the best, right? Um, and so, if they weren't, I mean, you know, in LA in particular, the there's sort of bridge shelters they want to put in every council district, homeless housing developments they want to put in every council district. A lot of them have been held up by concerns over CEQA, concerns over neighborhood opposition, all of these things that were, you know, at least the political class entirely foreseeable when the money was approved. That's right. Um, I. I do think that the other challenge here is thinking of homelessness specifically as a flow, not a stock. Yes, good, good, good point. And um, I think you know Mayor Garcetti in Los Angeles has repeatedly made a point of this. It's like, well, look, we are using this money to house people. We are using this money to prevent some people from falling into homelessness. Yeah. But the flood keeps coming. Right. And I think that's a very difficult political problem, especially for. Um, Newsom, right? Yep. Who yep. who continues to get hammered on um, homelessness issues, especially from the right, if he has national aspirations, exactly. right? It it yeah. is a visible marker of failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and when you're, you know, we when we we can probably get into this in more detail at a later time. Um, but when you put forward your ideas. And your ideas don't come to fruition, whether they're, uh, you know, this tying transportation money to to housing approvals. And this, these may not be good ideas, right? But these are the ideas that he's put forward to, right. to deal with this or the right ideas, better, better phrasing. Um, and they don't happen, then, you know, then you, you, you get held accountable for that. I mean, we haven't talked about back in January. I might have mentioned this before. He, he wanted and called out uh, uh, Silicon Valley tech companies for wanting to, to give the state $500 million to help support uh, uh, low-income and low and mixed-income uh, housing efforts at the state. That money didn't materialize, right? Yep. And, so, and so, you know, that was something he promised as part of the budget, and it's not here. Um, and uh, you could, you know, if... Uh, you, you, you should be looked at and held accountable for those things. Um, although Google. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for just for reference there, uh, Google announced earlier this week that they'd be. Um, uh, I hesitate to say spending because Inve- of the way investing. they calculated their right. numbers. Yeah. Yes. But investing a billion dollars to solve housing affordability issues in yeah. the Bay Area. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three so, quarters of that of building 15,000 houses on land they already own. That's right, yeah. yeah. And they, they're incorporating the land value exactly. actually into yes. that yes. into that investment. Yeah. All right, so all in all, depending on how you count the beans, there's going to be roughly a billion dollars. What, you don't like beans? No, I just... What's an, wrong with beans? Uh, beans are great. Delicious, good for you, high in fiber. It's just an anti-bean agenda. <laughs> 
depending on how you count the money, mm-hmm. um, there will be around a billion dollars in new funding to combat homelessness. One could argue that that funding is desperately, desperately needed, specifically at this time, considering some of the numbers that we saw come in from around the states counting their homeless populations. Yeah, it's really unbelievably striking what we've been seeing over the last couple months with some of these homelessness numbers. So for some context, uh, last year, the state reported about 130,000 homeless residents. um, And that was a very slight decrease over the year prior. But we'll be expecting, I think, when the numbers come out and towards the end of this year, beginning of next year, to see a huge uh, surge. And that's because each individual county is kind of putting forward their own numbers of what we've seen in Los Angeles, which is among the more recent, a 12 percent increase countywide, uh, just just under 59,000 people, which would be a mid-sized city in L.A. County. Yes. Um, San Francisco's increased 17 percent, uh, a little over 8,000 people. Santa Clara, 31 percent. Alameda, 43 percent. Uh, double-digit increases in Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, and so really up and down the state, a, a huge surge in these numbers. Yeah, and let's talk about the Los Angeles numbers specifically for a couple reasons here. One, if you're going to tackle homelessness in California, it really means you're going to tackle homelessness in Los Angeles and Los Angeles County, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is the epicenter of homelessness in the state, and it's been that way for a long time. Right. The other notable part about L.A. is that last year— the numbers went down. Mm-hmm. People were kind of rightfully so excited about that. Like, oh, wow. Even though in other parts of the state, the numbers were still kind of continually yep. rising. Yep. It's like, oh, man, maybe this is evidence that some of our initiatives are are working. Right. There was money that had been approved the year prior yeah. and all sorts of stuff. Right. So but then this year was really a, a huge backslide. huge move in the wrong direction. Yes. And and uh, definitely had political costs for Mayor Eric Garcetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the city in particular, those numbers went up even higher, 16% as opposed to 12 county countywide. That's right, yeah. So one caveat about these numbers is this population is very difficult to track for obvious reasons. The way they actually do this in terms of the unsheltered population, right? So the sheltered population, people actually in emergency Beds facilities, shelters, yes, right, that's yes. easier to count. Right. The way they actually do they count the unsheltered population is this thing called the one night count in most places, not all places, yeah. mm-hmm. where they literally just sit. And I did this once when I was um, volunteering for a place in Seattle. You literally just send a fleet of volunteers out to places where you have a good idea that there's a decent homeless population and you literally have them count. Like right. I see four people who appear to be homeless on this bus, right? Yep. I see seven people with tents under this freeway overpass. So that is not an exact science. So all of these numbers should be taken with a grain of salt. I think it's also worth noting that this is not an all-time homelessness high for California, yeah. which I think gets lost in this a little bit. Mm-hmm. The We actually saw statewide a larger number right before the recession hit. Yeah. You know, in terms of calibrating what we talk about when we talk about the homelessness crisis, we've been in this territory before. It's scary to see think where we might be headed towards. Right. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah. And when I think of these numbers, it's a good point, Matt, you bring up. I think it's less to think of them good, less good to think about them in terms of very precise census. And more of, I think you can, I think though the range that you're seeing or the directional thing, the way things are going is a much more, you know, um, uh, much better way of looking at it. If you're seeing double-digit increases, it's fair to assume that homeless population is is rising and rising at a, at a fairly decent level, uh, decent clip, versus if they were 
or you know going down or up one or two percent, then that's really stable. Yes. Right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's talk about what's going on in Los Angeles with our guest. We're here with Mike Neely. He's a former commissioner for the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So tell us uh, what your involvement uh, has been in uh, uh, addressing or thinking about homelessness issues uh, in Los Angeles. Well, I'm, well, it started with me being a homeless person on the street uh, some 33 years ago. Uh, from there, I founded the Homeless Outreach Program, which was the first outreach program in Los Angeles that employed all formerly homeless people to go out and talk to other homeless people about the programs and services that were available to them. From there, um, I've done a number of civic and uh, other community projects in dealing with uh, homelessness and homeless issues, I would say for the past 30, 30 some years, 33, 34 years. So that's kind of been my involvement. So what can you tell us about how um, homeless issues in Los Angeles have changed over the time that you've been involved? Well, that's a, that's a difficult question because what do you mean by homeless issues changed? Uh, has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? I'm not sure that we can, that we can really gauge that because there, 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 there are different times People propose different kinds of solutions. The thing that uh, is happening now, if that's kind of where you're getting to, is that the political system in Los Angeles has gotten much more involved and much more vocal in terms of dealing with the problem of homelessness. Uh Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, Why would it it not be a good thing? How could it not be a good thing? Yeah. Well... The thing about it is is that the issues that they're talking about, and this is part of you guys' thing, is, is the housing crisis, and that somehow they link housing and homelessness. Now, housing does impact homelessness, but it's not necessarily the answer to homelessness. Because if you start looking at it, in Los Angeles, uh, everybody needs housing. Housing is unaffordable for just about everybody across the board, any group that you can look at. Right. But the thing that we, that, that we haven't honed in on is what is it that makes the six-tenths of one percent of the population end up on the street? That's the question that hasn't been answered, and we haven't really looked at why that has happened. So what's your opinion or, or thought on, on, on why that's happening? I think it's because these are, are the people that have the most amount of problems, the most amount of difficulties, and for them, housing is not, is not the answer. Their answer is, how do we make sure that they don't bounce from crisis to crisis? How do we make sure that we can deal with some of the issues that they have? How do we deal with the fact that uh, our system is designed in one particular way? It says, you know, let's get them housed. And that's fine, and that's wonderful, and it's a great and wonderful objective. But these people were already housed, and they lost their housing for whatever reason it may be. How do we begin the process of making sure that those things don't happen to them again? So does that mean directing more resources to things like uh, substance abuse treatment and mental illness as opposed to such an emphasis on uh, shelter? Well, I think that we've got to do both. I don't think that we can get away with doing one or the other. 
Uh, I think that, yes, there does need to be more treatment. There does need to be more issues in terms of substance abuse treatment and those, those areas. But shelter is also a very big, big issue because of the fact that you can't expect somebody to recover from a problem, from an illness or whatever it may be, if they are still in a very desperate situation. So one would work in cross-purposes against each other. So, yes, you have to look at sheltering, but when you're looking at that, you've also got to make sure that you've got shelters that are much more attractive than tents out on the street. So, Mike, you mentioned that uh, you once experienced homelessness. Could could you talk a little bit about um, how that happened and then uh, how you were able to get off the street? What worked for you? Well... I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Vietnam-era veteran and suffer from PTSD, and substance abuse was an issue for me. Uh, it took me to Skid Row. It took me to, you know, living out on the streets. Uh, one of the things that happened was is the fact that I had to really and truly look at the fact that uh, here I am, an individual who has a college degree, who is suffering from substance abuse, who's on the street, and I should be able to figure out a way to be able to get off these streets. And guess what? It was hard as hell. Mm. So I looked at the people around me, and I said, these people are much less educated than I am. They don't have the ability to articulate themselves or a lot of other things. Maybe I should start thinking about doing something to try and help them to get off the streets. And from there, that kind of spurned the idea for me to form the Homeless Outreach Program. Besides the program that you kind of started, was there any type of public help when it came to you uh, either kicking your addiction or finding housing? Well, yes. I mean, you know, that's a, I went to the VA. Uh, I was able to get treatment for my uh, addiction. I also um, was able to find housing through the SRO Corporation, which was a uh, single-room occupancy housing corporation. They provided me with housing. I was able to then have a stabilized place, a sober place, an ability to be able to focus on the work that I wanted to try and get done. Could, Could you have done any of that without public assistance? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I think that there is everyone needs a level of assistance uh, because remember I was I was in a cardboard box and it's mm-hmm. there are not a lot of resources in a cardboard box. So no, you have to you have to have some kinds of public resources. The issue is is that the small investment and um, it wasn't small. The investment that they made in me uh, really and truly I believe paid off in a lot in a lot bigger ways and a lot. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I've done and been able to do. Sure. So I think one thing when it comes to Los Angeles that seems to be pretty striking uh, to to, to people is, you know, a few years ago there was over a billion dollars that local voters approved to help build um, uh, permanent supportive housing, help provide some further services, and yet now we see, you know, a double-digit increase in the county's um, homeless population. You know, why do you think, despite that investment, the, the, the numbers are still continuing to, to increase. Well, let's, let's go back to the beginning. First, the first thing is, is that not one unit has been completed yet. Right. 
So without any unit, then, you know, whether you make a billion-dollar investment or a $10 billion investment, if nothing is, is, is come online, then that, is, that, that doesn't show anything. Yeah. I think the second thing that you have to look at is the fact that uh, when you're talking about building housing anywhere, and I mean, that's, especially in Los Angeles, um, one of the problems that we have is that they're building them for a specific population, and that population are individuals who are chronically homeless. And in order for you to qualify if you are chronically homeless, you must be homeless for a year, and you must have a disability. A lot of people don't meet those qualifications. Mm-hmm. So, and even if you do, if, even if you look at the numbers, uh, I think we've got like 16,000 people that are chronically homeless. Those 16,000, even if we housed every one of them, we'd still be left with 20,000 people unhoused in, 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 on the streets in, in Los Angeles right now. Yeah. So you're not going to solve it in that way. The other thing that you know, people always talk about is that we need more low-income housing. Well, low-income housing, in order to qualify for low-income housing in Los Angeles, you can qualify for low-income housing and you can make $60,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And in San Francisco, you can qualify for low-income housing making $100,000 a year. Right. So here we are talking about people who make anywhere from zero to $10,000 a year, how long is it going to take before those, that housing gets down to them? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's been um, some high-profile examples of local neighborhoods opposing the construction <laughs> of uh, housing for people experiencing homelessness in Los Angeles, so notably in, in Venice Beach. Um, there were some neighborhood groups that strongly imposed and, in fact, shouted down Mayor Eric Garcetti um, over plans to build a, a shelter there um, in Koreatown. There was a, a similar episode. I, I'm curious, though, you've been involved in this space in a long time. You said 30 years. Have you seen public attitudes in L.A. shift um, at all? Are, are Los Angelinos any more receptive to uh, the construction of shelters and low-income housing than, than they used to be? Well, I think it's it's a question of how you do it, and I think it's also a question of where you do it. And I think we've also got to look at the fact that Los Angeles is highly segregated by uh, incomes, mm-hmm. and that plays a big role. Uh, and I think that people have uh, latched on to the sacred cow of my property value, and that becomes uh, the mantra that they, that they fear that they will lose that in some way, shape, or form. It hasn't been proven to be true, but that's something that the, that the fear is there. That fear has been there for the last 30 years, uh, and all of the projects that have been built uh, have proven that that's not the case. But when you go and start talking about a new project, then you get the same thing over and over again. So why 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 isn't that message resonating? If if we have built shelters before in communities and property values have not gone down as a result, why do we still see the opposition that we see? Well, I think because of the fact that by the time the community hears about pro- hears about a project or a project is coming, 
then one of the things that happens is, is that they feel that it's being foist upon them, as opposed to them being engaged in, in earlier on to be able to understand what the project is and to be able to deal with, deal with the project. Uh, nobody makes a presentation until it's, okay, it's got this approval or it's got that, we're going to build it on this site. Uh, and those kinds of things, uh, in terms of siting, really and truly don't help uh, to get the community buy-in. Now, there are some communities, and I mean, a lot of people don't realize, but when you're talking about a place like Venice, you're talking about people who, uh, who, st- who started off as hippies and the arts community and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that community has now evolved into um, – how do we say it, Silicon Beach, and the property values around there, you know, are soaring. I mean, you know, you've got, it's not unusual to have two, three, four million dollar homes right there in that community. So, you know, you've got people who have become house millionaires almost overnight, and now you're saying, well, we're going to put up this, this shelter, this facility right here. So their argument is, is that, well, wait a minute, my, value, my property value is a million dollars. Why are we going to build it in this area where we've got million-dollar homes when we could build it somewhere else for uh, where they've got property values of $300,000 homes? But so those are the kinds of arguments that people make. Uh, it doesn't make much sense because, it, because you have to sit back and say, well, uh, wait a minute. What do you think the property value is, is is suffering from now if you've got people sleeping in a tent in front of your house? Can you actually picture a world where Los Angeles does not have a significant homeless population? Or should we recalibrate our expectations kind of completely with this? Well, I have seen the time, uh, you know, when Los Angeles didn't have a significant homeless population, when uh, you could it, when you, at night you could walk down the streets of Skid Row and there was nobody, very few people sleeping on the streets. There has been that time, and that was back in the in the early '90s and what have you. Can I imagine it happening again? Yeah, but it's going to take uh, real concerted effort, and it's going to take innovation because that was then. That was a 20th century problem then that was almost solved. But now we've got a 21st century problem, and we need 21st century solutions for that. Huh. Early 90s, that's, that's more recent than I expected. What, what was going on in the early 90s? Well, there was a, there was a lot of effort that was being put into uh, programs and services for homeless persons, and that was right around the time when uh, we were looking at the formation of uh, the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, there were a lot of providers that were working together to really and truly deal with the problem. The other thing about it is, remember, during that time, the problem was mostly concentrated in downtown L.A. Right. There was not a huge um, problem outside of downtown mm-hmm. L.A. That's not to say there was no problem, but it wasn't huge as it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were times when you could go into certain areas of the city and there was, you wouldn't even know about a homeless problem. So you had the opportunity to work in a very con- uh, concentrated F area, and in working that area, you got the opportunity to really and truly make a, uh, a substantial impact on the problem. Yeah. 
So you referenced uh, innovative ideas. Um, are you talking about, I mean, there's a lot of things that come that sort of are being floated, whether it comes to, you know, building with shipping containers or things like that to try to get the price of, of uh, a cost of construction down for some uh, and, and the timelines down for some uh, projects, things like that, or, or are there other things that are, that, are, that are in your head when you say that? Well, I, I think, I think it's, we're at a point where we need all of the above. I think this is an all of the above time. Uh, we need to be able to deal with as much and as many things as possible. We can't be afraid to, to try something. Uh, you know, the one thing that, that people forget is that homelessness in Los Angeles is bad because of the fact that it's outside. In New York, for example, there are more homeless people in New York than there are in, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. just so people understand. But it's not as big of an issue because of the fact that Los, uh, New York is a right-to-shelter city, right. so therefore the people are inside. Yeah. In Los Angeles, the people are outside, so it becomes very, very visible. All right. That, that's it for me. Liam, do you have any more questions? No, no. Mike, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Pardon me? Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Well, I want to I want to leave your listeners with one thing, and that is that you know the situation isn't hopeless. The situation is such that there are things that can be done, but what we need to be able to do is focus on solving the 21st century problem with 21st century solutions. We've got the ability to be able to do it. What we've got to do is be able to apply it. Great. All right. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gimme Shelter, the California Housing Crisis Podcast. I'm Matt Levin. You can find me on Twitter at MLevinReports. And I am uh, Liam Dillon. My Twitter handle is at DillonLiam. Uh, please keep on rating and reviewing the podcast, and we will be back in two weeks. <laughs>